Good morning. You guys want to hear my duck call? Great. Well, since I introed it, you can hear my duck call. All right. We've been seeing a lot of ducks around, you know, as they approach the migration season. So I've been practicing my duck call for my little boys. Ready for it? Hey, duck. You're welcome. You can use that later. Oh, seriously, it is a sweet, sweet gift to be able to be together. And I know we're all coming in with so many different needs and different anxieties and fears and burdens and also sweet joys and praises. And some of those you were able to share with your discussion groups and others you're just caring on your own. And I've been mulling over just what, pace, what um, Pastor Stephen shared with us on Sunday from Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, how he reminded us that even though these questions can continue to come, we know that Jesus has capacity to understand far, far more, that his capacity for answers doesn't outweigh our capacity for questions, that we know that we can continue to come before Jesus in knowing that he sees that he knows and that he is leading us and he is caring for us. And I love that reminder of the song, um, just that every hour we know we need him. And what a sweet gift it is to come together this morning now, knowing we can study this word and seeing and experiencing more of Jesus and asking the Holy Spirit to help illuminate these truths to us where we are at. So let's pray together now. Jesus, I thank you so much for the ways that we are able to continue to see and experience your grace and the ways that we are able to see how the gospel changes us, to see how this gospel is worth preserving, is worth continuing to make known the truth in our lives and the lives of others. So we ask Holy Spirit to that you would open our ears and our eyes to see more of these truths, that you would pierce our hearts in ways that we need, and that you would speak in and through me, that you would continue to be made much of and transform us by the power of your word. We love you, and we give this time to you. In your name, Jesus, amen. So let's review where we've been. We first started in seeing how Paul greeted the Galatians, and he laid out the gospel, and then he, right away, in 6 through 10, he goes into his reason for writing. He finds out that these people were coming and distorting the gospel, that the Galatians were turning away, and that they were believing these false teachers, that they needed to do something in addition to um, faith alone in Jesus. And so he was warning them, don't follow, don't follow them, don't, anybody preaching a false gospel will be accursed. And so then Paul brings us into this narrative starting in chapter or 1, 11 through 24, we saw Jackie bring us into why Paul is letting the Galatians know that he has authority, that they can trust his apostleship, and they can also trust the message that he has preached to them. He wants them to know that the gospel that he preached is the true gospel and not to be led astray. We saw last week how the gospel unity was at stake that there are some Jews saying that, yes, it's faith in Jesus, but also circumcision. So Pam helped us see that there was this debate, but ultimately the pillars of the church were united with Paul in saying that 
It is through faith alone in Jesus, not circumcision, not anything else. And so all of a sudden, we end with this unity, and then there's this halt. And that's where we'll see in our passage today, where Paul wanted them to know if anyone is not in step with the gospel, they should be rebuked for the good of the church and the preservation of the gospel. So you'll see on your handout, there's three points that we're going to walk through today. The first is Cephas opposed in verse 11. The second, conduct exposed in verses 12 and 13. And the third, the gospel line to hold in verse 14. So as we go through this passage, my aim for us is that we would so treasure the gospel that we would be compelled to confront others when we see the gospel compromised. So I'm going to read this passage for us. You can follow along in your Bibles or um, as I read. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? So we see first that um, our intro is Paul opposes Peter, and I say Cephas opposed, but as I go through, um, just for the sake of understanding, Cephas is Paul, same person, so I'm going to use the word Peter. Yeah, Cephas is Peter, so I'm going to use Peter as we go through. Um, so we saw how Paul and Peter were just united in the gospel, and sometime after, Paul sees how Peter is not acting in line with the gospel. And scholars agree exactly when this time frame happens, but we know that it was after Peter received his revelation from God, which I'll talk about in just a minute, and that it was sometime before the Jerusalem Council, so sometime between Acts 12 and Acts 15. The time frame doesn't matter as much as the fact that Peter was now out of line with the gospel, and Paul sees this and knows that he needs to confront him. Paul sees Peter as condemned before God because the sake of the gospel is at, the gospel's at stake here. And it's not just a theological disagreement. They still have the same theological core, but his actions were different. How Peter was acting was different than what he said he believed. And we know that this could have lasting implications, so Paul makes known he needed to rebuke him. And we'll see what this conduct was and why Paul can call Peter out and why it's a gospel issue. And we see how this is in alignment with Paul's concern for the Galatians, that we are saved by the work of Christ alone and we can't do anything to add for our salvation. So in verse 12, we see the word for, which sets us up to see what is this conduct that is being exposed. Why does Paul need to rebuke him? And there's two main things that Paul reveals and that we can also see what can be exposed in our hearts. The first is fear of man, and the second is hypocrisy. So, first, here's the setting. Going back to Paul eating with the Gentiles, why is that significant? Well, this statement holds a lot of significance because as God's people, the Jews in the Old Testament were identified as God's people set apart from other cultures by various things. So, there's things that set them apart. The dietary laws, the circumcision, Sabbath, 
we studied the dietary laws to get a better understanding of what it would mean to break these laws. That if they broke them, they would not be identified as God's people. So Peter, as a Jew, upheld these laws until the Lord came to him in a vision and said, there is no longer a barrier of clean and unclean foods. There's no longer this barrier, this distinction that now separates them as the people of God. Peter was trying to make sense of this vision when um, three Gentiles come, one being Cornelius, a Gentile centurion, and came looking for him, and Peter invites them in, which this in of itself is shocking at that time. That's why Peter says in Acts 10, 28, the significance of this. He says, Cornelius, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call out any person uncommon or unclean. And we read further in Acts how Peter then proclaims the gospel to the Gentiles and they receive the Holy Spirit and they are converted. This promise goes all the way back to the Abrahamic promise in Genesis 12, where the promise that God says that there was going to be no division among Jew and Gentile, that the gospel of salvation was going to be for all people is happening now. In the gospel, there is one holy people of God made up of all tribes, tongues, nations, socioeconomic statuses. The gospel has destroyed all the barriers and it brings unity. Paul talks about this beautiful gospel reality in Ephesians 2, 13 through 16. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made with us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility. Do you see, like Paul, what a treasure it is that we have this gospel? I'm guessing most of us are not Jewish in this room. So this moment here is significant for us, that because of Christ's work, we have been brought in and unified because of his saving work on the cross. That we are now able to, as well, experience the blessings from God in union with Christ because his work has been fulfilled through the work of Christ. All right, let's go back and read chapter or verse 12 now. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. So Paul here relates that Peter and Antioch would eat with the Gentile Christians. And this eating could include table fellowship, partaking in the Lord's Supper, and the overall community they had. We see this in 1 Corinthians 11, 20 um, through 22. And this is consistent with the gospel, that it's not just a casual oh, they were eating a meal together, but it shows, again, this unity that they had as believers, that now Christian Jews and Christian Gentiles were brought together into the church. And so this was happening, and all of a sudden, fear of man enters, and Peter removes himself and no longer is associating. Now he's upholding, again, these laws that he already made known. He didn't have to abide by and follow, and he's sending these mixed messages to the Gentiles. So the fear of, fear of man enters, and we don't know exactly who this group is, but we know that it could be a couple different options, that the Jewish Christian believers 
um, were coming in and saying, you still needed to uphold the Jewish traditions for all believers, or it could be unbelieving Jews who persecuted the Jewish believers. And we also see in Acts 15 where James says that these men were coming in that were claiming to be from us, but we didn't give them a message to say. So we know that there's these men that were coming in saying probably something along the lines that, Peter, you should not be associating and eating with the Gentiles. And so whatever the message was said, we know that it invoked an emotional response within Peter, that he was fearing what they would think or what they would do, so he withdrew back. He withdrew. And Peter knew that they had received the Holy Spirit and he was eating with him, but now he changes his behavior. A couple weeks ago, we saw how Paul already introduced the concept of seeking the approval of man in chapter 1, verse 6. Paul said that if he was seeking the approval of man, he would not be a servant of God. And now we are challenged again seeing the ways that fearing what someone thinks and seeking their approval can be damaging to yourself and others walking in the truth of the gospel. And we see how Peter isn't changing the gospel, but his actions are not lining up with what he knows to be true, which Paul calls hypocrisy. And we see how what he is confessing is different than how he's acting. And this implication is putting the gospel at stake for the church. Peter is adding to the line of the gospel, which is why Paul needs to confront him. And we see, um, we'll see next week in chapter 2, 15 through 18, how they are, again, unified on the gospel, but he's calling them out saying, but you're not acting in line with what you know to be true. And we see how this hypocrisy is contagious, that his actions were influencing other Jewish Christians and even influencing Barnabas, who knew the truth, that he knew what to be true, but that hypocrisy, those actions can be so contagious. And we can see that even with ourselves, that we can surround ourselves with others who are living differently than what we say to be true. And it can be tempting then to say, oh yeah, I treasure Jesus in the gospel, but really I'm seeking other things. And it can be easy to all of a sudden surround yourselves and be okay with compromising the gospel. And as we saw in our homework, the reverse can be true too. From Philippians 1, 12 through 14, how when you are pursuing Jesus and continuing to make much of him and seeking the kingdom and surrounding yourself with people, that also is contagious. So our actions can and do impact others. Paul saw how the gospel was at stake because their actions, returning to the dietary laws, implied that the people of God are those who trust in Jesus plus do the Jewish traditions. And that's not the, cause, that's not the gospel. And Paul's going to make it known clearly in 15 through 18 what the gospel is, that it's only through the work of Christ. How the Gentile Christians in Antioch would have received this would have been like this. No longer are you saved, or could we say identified as the people of God, by trusting in Jesus alone for salvation. But you must also follow the Jewish cultural traditions. This would have been really confusing because Peter would have just been saying, nope, you don't have to uphold the law, saved by faith in Jesus alone, believing that, fellowshipping together, and withdrawing, where you're giving this message, wait, now I feel like I need to do something or I need to be changed, and they're losing that identity. So Paul is saying, if Peter and Barnabas are doing this, this is a problem for the church. I need to confront this ASAP, cold blue. We need to stop what is happening here. 
And I want that message to arise in us too, of where, where are we falling into fear of man or hypocrisy where we are being led astray or could be leading somebody else astray by what we are confessing to be true, different than what we actually are living in and walking in. We know that none of us are immune from this. The desire to not offend somebody or have their approval or remain comfortable can reveal what we are treasuring more than the gospel. And if you examine your own heart, and I think every heart in this room, including mine, there's hypocrisy. That I know what everything that I'm believing doesn't always line up with what I know to be true. As a way of application for us, I have a few questions for self-diagnosis. I want us just to reflect on the last two weeks. You can reflect or there's space on your paper that you can write down some thoughts that come to mind. Where do you tend to filter yourself or change what you would normally say, act, feel, or do when it comes to the gospel or talking about your faith? So are there ways that you tend to filter yourself or change when it comes to talking about the gospel or about your faith? Has the Holy Spirit revealed to you ways that you say you treasure the gospel, but your actions don't line up with it? This can look a variety, look in a variety of ways. Um, in our homework, we had a couple different questions on what this could look like. That maybe it's avoid, maybe it is avoiding certain people at church, labeling people, maybe it's revealing some self-righteousness or racial pride or ways we say we love people? Yes. How has the Holy Spirit revealed to you ways that you say, so confessionally, I say I treasure the gospel, but my actions don't line up with it? I pray that the Holy Spirit would continue to reveal to us ways that we are falling into fear of man or ways that we are living hypocritically, ways that we confessionally say one thing but do another. I pray that the Holy Spirit does continue to reveal these things to us, but I know at times there are blind spots and it's hard to see. And we need others in community to call it out and confront us. So let's look at verse 14 and how Paul confronted Peter. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? So we've seen this phrase before, truth of the gospel. Up in verse 5, we talked about last week, that Paul was preserving the truth of the gospel by not circumcising Titus. And now here it is again, that Peter is not in step with the truth of the gospel. And Paul knows that the gospel has the ultimate authority and he needs to preserve it. Paul isn't saying, I'm better than you, Peter, as leader to leader, I'm gonna confront you. He's saying, no, the gospel has the ultimate authority and that is why I'm going to confront you. Peter was acting hypocritically and his actions were causing others in the church to also act hypocritically. We are out of step with the truth of the gospel when what we say is different than what we believe. And Paul knows how essential it is to hold to the line of the gospel, for us not to go above it or below it in our actions or words. So Paul rebuked Peter before them all. 
the all probably includes the Gentile believers and the Jewish Christians that follow him, because if he knew it went unchecked, it would go against the gospel of being saved by faith alone in Jesus. And it was a public offense, and so Paul knew that he needed to address in publicly what was taking place, because this had been a repeated action. This had been repeated. It wasn't a one-time thing where Paul didn't eat with, or Peter didn't eat with him. So Paul knew that in order for the sake of the church to clarify, this is the gospel, let's be united on this, let's get this straight. He needed to rebuke him publicly. John Calvin said, those who have, those who have sinned publicly must, all, must be chastised publicly so that their unpunished sin will not harm the church by its example. So what does this mean for us? I wanna talk about the why, the who, and the how of confronting others. Because with an aim, like being compelled to confront others when you see the gospel compromised could stir up some initial emotions either oh i don't like confronting this i don't really like this this section let's just try to move past this and let paul be the one to do the confronting and i'll just carry on in my minnesota nice way or it could kind of stir up yeah i'm passionate about this we need to confront anybody that we see out of line like all right, here we go, and like charge you up. And I want to caution us on both sides of the ditches that if you find yourself feeling a little bit uncomfortable, to ask the Spirit now to continue to say, okay, where, where are ways that I am not truly treasuring the gospel of wanting to see it just lived out in the sister or brother's life, to see the ways that somebody is falling astray, that I would continue to treasure it so much and know the power of it that I would want to gently come to a brother or sister and bring up what I'm observing. So some of us might need a little more of that courage and some of us might need to say, okay, where's my motive in confronting this? How, how am I approaching this person and why? And seeing, is it done out of love and gentleness? So first, um, the why. I just said, knowing that the gospel has the ultimate authority, that we want to hold true to it, we, don't, we want to preserve it and not see anybody led astray. So who? This could be somebody close to you as a sister in a Titus II group, a small group, Bible study here, another friend or a family member ways that we see what somebody says they believe and their actions not lining up. That Paul and Peter, we saw how Paul and Peter were close and this needed, they needed to, he needed to confront him and ways they had this close unity. And so there are these relationships that may feel uncomfortable in confronting, but continuing to hold, you may be close in proximity or not and being able to confront them. The how, this is one of the most crucial parts. We need to pray. We need to see our motives of our heart. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 12 that we are many members of the body, but we are one. And he continues in 1 Corinthians 13 that if I speak but am not, but if I speak but not have love, I'm like a noisy gong or a clanging, clanging cymbal. We want all of what we say to be out of a heart posture of love. And I want, us, I want to remind us of Paul's words in Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech 
always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. I know I am not an apostle, and I want to take Paul's other, other's words to us seriously, that we would be gracious, that we would ask questions first to understand, that we'd ask questions about someone's theology and probe gently. We don't want to be bulls in a china shop just saying, I have all the answers, here we go, you're not aligned with the gospel, and cause more destruction. We need to make sure that we prayerfully consider the log in our own eyes before attempting to remove the speck in our sister's eye. And after asking these questions, ask, ask to make an observation. Pull out your Bible and share the observations where you see the gospel not most fully treasured or the gospel line not held. And seek to make Jesus big, the gospel beautiful, and that we would want to continue to come alongside each other, making each other more into the likeness of Christ. Not making ourselves big or coming and saying we have all the answers, but going back to scripture, seeing what scripture has to say and wanting to make Jesus big and the gospel line held true. But what if I'm the one being confronted? We also want to pray and ask the Spirit to open our eyes to search out our, our hearts and highlight what is true. We want to listen graciously. If you have an emotional reaction, you should pay attention to that, that maybe the Spirit's pricking something at you. If you're defensive, maybe that's the Spirit saying, okay, let's see where you're not believing what is true that that emotional response might be an indication of your heart. And be grateful. Be grateful that somebody's coming to you wanting your faith to grow and wanting to see you bear fruit, wanting to see you treasure the gospel. And we know that this is how Peter responded. We saw in our homework from a variety of passages in 1 Corinthians that Peter and Paul were unified. Specifically, in 1 Corinthians 15, 3-11, we see how Paul and Peter and James proclaimed the same gospel. We see this unity. And in 2 Peter 3, 15 through 16, Peter continues to write that affirms Paul, and he affirms his teaching and shows this unity. So we know Peter had this heart posture to say, yes, I received this, and they were unified, which has lasting implications for the church and for us today. As we see in 14, Paul now kind of says, all right, I said, why? Why I had to oppose him. I gave you the background of what is actually happening, and now Paul lets us know these are his exact, these are his words that he was telling um, Peter. So I'm going to walk us through these briefly, but I mainly highlighted it in the conduct exposed. So in recapping, Paul makes known to Peter, Peter, you're a Jew. You knew and followed the laws, but yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. In Antioch, at least, he followed the dietary laws that the Jews followed. Paul is telling him, you're a Jew, but yet you knew you didn't have to follow the dietary laws. You live like a Gentile. And now you're saying that you're forcing the Jew, the Gentiles to live like Jews. He's sending a different messages when he flips back to observing the laws again. So Peter makes known that he's stepping away from the truth of the gospel. Paul makes known that Peter is stepping away from the truth of the gospel and that it's enough to persuade the Gentiles to adopt the Jewish laws for salvation. He wants to highlight again this rhetorical question, why are you doing this? You know that this is not what you say you believe. We see how it is necessary for Paul to call Peter back, that it's necessary for him to call out, this is, 
this, you're not living in what you know to be true. And he wants to see him continuing to have his actions in alignment with what he's saying he believes. And I desire this for us, that we would continue to treasure the gospel so much so that we would see where others are compromising it and want to enter into those uncomfortable conversations in order to see them walking in the freedom that Christ has died to give them, to see them being able to treasure the gospel and allow the gospel to change them. And I desire us to continue to have that heart posture of being able to have the Holy Spirit say, to search us out and to see where are we not in line with the gospel? Where are we falling into hypocrisy? I want to surround myself and invite others in to be able to call me out and say, Julia, I see where you're failing to believe the gospel fully here. Because I know I can be prone to drift. I can be prone to fear what others are thinking, and I can be prone to live differently than what I say I believe. As a church, one of our initiatives is counseling one another, coming alongside others and caring for others, which can look like what I mentioned above. Pastor Brian is hosting seminars called Getting to the Heart, and it helps us really be equipped to walk alongside each other as believers and see when is confronting necessary and how do we do this in coming alongside each other as brothers and sisters. So there's a seminar actually this Saturday called Helping Others Change. So if you'd like more information on this, you can ask myself or Pam and we can get you more um, information for the Saturday on the seminar. And as small groups, we were encouraged to go through this book called Side by Side. And this last week, one of the chapters that my small group and I studied was on confessing sin and being able to confront others when you see them not in line with the gospel. And it's uncomfortable to do this and actually practice this in realizing though that this is where we are continually able to see how we can experience more of Jesus's grace and become more like him in the sanctifying process. Through the work of the spirit, through the context of community in the body, I desire us to align our theology with our actions, which comes when we deepen our treasuring of the gospel. And we've seen this in Galatians. It's not about a checklist about being careful about doing this and not doing that, or measuring yourself against what someone else is doing or not doing, but holding fast to the gospel. It's not about our own striving and trying, but by abiding in Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to help us. Jesus reminds us in John 15 that apart from him, we can do nothing. And it's not about being correct in our theology, but in love, calling each other into deeper realities in Christ. So let's pray together and ask for his help. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your work in our hearts through these scriptures. Thank you for working through the body of Christ to point us to Jesus and be made more like him. We ask that you would continue working in our hearts as we return to our day. Holy Spirit, reveal to us ways we may be apprehensive to call out and confront others because of what they may think and reveal to us ways we may be quick to confront but may not have a gracious approach. Reveal to us ways we may be fearing man and not walking in line with the gospel. And Holy Spirit, give us courage to confront others with a gracious and loving approach.
Help us see the gospel as beautiful, to treasure it and desire ourselves and others to walk in the freedom that Jesus has given us. We need your help, so we thank you that we can call upon you and we can trust you to do this work in and through us. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for this time that we've had to look to you and these truths. And it's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.